connect with our generation and to bring about social change, and we certainly don't see that in Scripture. Many feel that the church is a charity center. The major purpose is to feed the poor and to help those, and there's nothing wrong with, with charity and the poor, but that certainly is not the purpose of the Lord's church. While there's nothing wrong with many of these, we find that the Lord lets us know His purpose. Verse 21, Unto Him, that's Christ, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Everything that is taken into the church or on, that the church endeavors to do must start and end with the purpose of bringing God glory. Now, while we certainly want to see the law saved and we certainly want to be obedient in the Great Commission and see people baptized and come to know the truth, if we make that our purpose solely, then we could do anything to accomplish it and therefore violate the glory of God. But if we make the glory of God the purpose of the church, then our evangelism when we witness to the lost, won't be uh, the ends justify the means. It will be we are here to glorify God by sharing the gospel. And if God is so pleased to save, glory to Him. And if God is so pleased to save that we see baptism and discipleship, then it brings glory to Him. Our, Our evangelism must not be for us to take glory. I know preachers with many notches in their belt that are ready to tell you how good they are at witnessing to people and winning people and, and, and it doesn't take long to listen to them that they that, that a method takes glory. You know, you can use the Romans road if you want to, but it's not a evangelistic scheme or method that brings glory. It's God's Holy Spirit that ought to bring glory to the Savior when people are saved. Not that a preacher is so persuasive. Or enabled with, with a gift of language. No, we know that we're dead in trespasses and sins and it takes God to save. And so, everything must start with the glory of God. And, and we should be about the business of the king's desire, a singleness of purpose. The song that was sung was talking, there was a singleness of purpose in that song, you know. Our, our only, I believe the words are, our only heart's desire. And so, Our only heart's desire in the church ought to bring glory to God. Many have gotten the cart before the horse. You see, if winning the lost and growing the church is the purpose, then everything that would accomplish that would be justified. Whatever method or scheme... But when we begin with pleasing God, God gets glory. See, if, if it's all about winning people and growing the church, then, then we'll begin to please people. We'll be consumed with not offending anyone. You know? And we're there in the church world. How many preachers you know, well, we're, we're not doing this anymore because our generation doesn't get it or, or, or people don't like that or, 
I am Paisley said there is something worse than an empty church and it's an offended God. And churches have become social clubs and entertainment houses and charity centers and they have left the purpose. What is the purpose? How do we accomplish this purpose of glorifying God? First of all, we have to preach truth. The church ought to be a place about truth. You know, in many of the modern churches, they're even removing this piece of furniture we call here, and the old timers used to call it the sacred desk. They're removing the preaching of the word and very little about preaching and more about music and entertainment. But if we're going to bring God glory in the church, it has to be through the preached word. That has to be paramount. Look with me in 1 Timothy, if you will, chapter 3. I'm going to read a verse to you in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You see, we can, a church can have everything that the society or community desires, but if it doesn't have the preached word of God, it has lost its eternal purpose, and it is good for nothing. We have the Rotary Club, and we have the, we have the uh, ball fields, and we have the parks, and we have the school system, and, and I'm not taking away from them. They are good, and they have a purpose. Let them accomplish their purpose, and let the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplish its purpose, and that's the preaching of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God. This problem's not new. It goes all the way back to Timothy and Ephesus, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the foundation of truth for every generation in every generation. And when he says the church, he's speaking of the church generically. The definite article the is there. And it's not saying there's only one church, but it is saying that there is only one kind of church. If you go to the car races, there's more than one car that races. And when he says the church, he is denoting that there is a specific kind of church. He comes down and says the truth. Now I heard a preacher not too long ago say, well that's not, he didn't say truths, he said truth. And so that must mean Jesus. No, if that's true, then there's only one church and singular. No, it's generic. It represents all truths. Jude called it the faith. To contend, to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We're here in 2 Timothy, look at verse chapter 2. And we see how this truth is to go forward. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, let me stop there for a moment. In the Greek, the word strong here is passive. And so basically he is saying here, be empowered by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace of the Lord Jesus. 
and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're called to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the pastors today look more like activity directors than soldiers. They behave more like CEOs than soldiers. And soldiers must be disciplined and must endure hardness. And sometimes the ministry, not sometimes, a lot of times the ministry is hard. But in verse 2, we see four generations covered in one little verse. We see Paul. And Paul says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit. And the word commit there is a military term to charge, to commission. Paul committed, there's the first generation, he committed to Timothy, the words of sound doctrine. Then Timothy is supposed to teach others. And so you got Paul, you got Timothy, then you got those that Timothy is to teach. And then you have those that the ones Timothy is to teach is to teach others. We have the chain of truth going. We need to continue in the Word of God and in the truth because Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. It's God's counsel. You just say truth in some churches and people break out in a hive. I was talking to a fellow the other day, and he said, well, we don't get into all that theology in our church. And I said, no, hold on. Theo, God, ology, study. So what do you study at church if you don't study God? How can you have church if you're not studying about God and the Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, we don't get into all that doctrine. So you don't teach, because doctrine just means to teach. Well, what do you do? Yeah. Well, we got a uh, we got a ten million dollar facility where we got paintball. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And we got all these other things, and the people love it. And if we if we don't allure. That's his exact word. If we don't allure the people with things that they, then then how are they going to understand? Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing, which means alluring words, but in the demonstration power. We ought to be about the truth. The truth. How do we bring glory to God? We preach the truth. We teach the truth. That's not just the minister's job. That's all of our job. The commission is to everyone that is a member of the Lord's church. You are to witness, bring them. So we must preach the truth. We must know the truth. Secondly, we must obey the truth. I have no problems with the things of the Bible I don't understand. I'm not going to say that there aren't some things that are a little deep and a little confusing and I'm kind of like, well, maybe it's this Maybe it's that. But none of those things have ever caused me a problem. 
You know what causes me problems? The simple, easy things to understand, but simple is not easy. Anyone can understand, bless them that curse you. Is that easy? To bless them that curse you? No, it's not easy. And so we must obey the truth. Back in Ephesians, look with me in chapter 4, verse 1. How do we bring glory to God? Well, we gotta know the truth. But if you read the, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives all the Sermon on the Mount and he comes down to the end and he says, there are those that hear and understand, but they don't do. And they're like those that build their house upon the sand. Then there are those that hear and understand and do them. See, they're building their house on the rock. It's in the doing of the truth. In the obeying, in Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That word is close to beg. It's close. With everything he has, he is drawing them in. I beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. He's not talking to preachers there. He's talking to all of us because all of us, if you're saved, you've been saved by God on purpose for a purpose. And he has an avenue of you to obey and to serve. And if you're not obeying and serving, then you're not in the vocation that he has called you. With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. And therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Lord's people are to understand that I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. It's, I preached at a church camp just a couple weeks ago. And we had about a hundred young people there. And I preached on redeeming the time for the days are evil. You know, God has a specific purpose for your life individually to serve him now he has purposes that we all ought to do we all ought to be faithful to the lord's house we all ought to be in the study of the word of god in prayer and witnessing all of us ought to do that but god has a specific purpose for each one of our lives to serve him we don't use a rake to sweep the carpet we don't use a vacuum cleaner to mow the lawn everything that god builds he builds with a unique design to carry out a particular purpose What's your purpose in the Lord's work? Well, it's to bring glory to God. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5. Brother Jackson brought this scripture out in uh, Sunday school. But we're going to read it again. Because the Holy Spirit wanted it said twice. But for a lot of us, it's going to be said once. That'll sink in in a minute. uh, Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are, not you will be, but you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor or its saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine, therefore, before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are called to be salt and light in a corrupt, evil society. Salt preserves and we have the corruption all around us and we are to be a preserving agent in the generations in which we live and if we speak about uh you know too many times we've got the uh i'm conservative and i am political conservative but too many christians sit back and talk about how uh america is going to hell in a handbasket but you know what if it is going to hell in a handbasket if it is rotten if it is bad if it is dark It's because salt and light ain't doing its job. It's a reflective on us. That we may be salt and light. That we bring glory to God. Not that you will be, but that you are salt and light. That's what God's created you to be. This is a dark world and we need to bring the light of the gospel and the way that we live in the church as a lighthouse in the community to bring glory to God. Well, that's the intent. Back to Ephesians. Look with me again in chapter 4, but let's skip down to verse 17. We're to obey the truth. See, people, when people see our lives, it's not what we say. You know? It's how we live. It's what we do. That's where we're salt and light. You know, Jude said, and some having compassion, making a difference. Well, you can't make a difference unless you're different. And I'm not saying that we're better than anyone by nature. Obviously, we're not. We're poor, rotten sinners and defiled. And, and But God saved us. Now we're children of the king. We represent him and we represent his name. And the membership is supposed to go out into the communities and serve him. Look in Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The emptiness, you know, they think themselves, Paul in another place said, if you think yourselves to be something, then you are nothing. Deceiving yourself. And I'm nothing outside of God's grace. Having the under, having the understanding darkened. They're dark. Their minds can't see. I don't blame lost people for acting like lost people. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says that their minds have been blinded by the God, little g, of this world. Who is, who has God made the prince, uh, allowed to be the prince of power of the air of this generation? It's the devil. And he's blinded their minds where they cannot see and perceive the things of God. And he says here that their minds are darkened, being alienated from the life of God. It's not that I'm so good or I follow a certain routine or I'm so disciplined that I I, I do this and I do this and I do this. No, the reason that I have the ability to obey is because God has given me His life and His strength and His power. 
None of us can say, oh, I'm such a great Christian because I'm such a great person. No. We're such a great... If we're a good Christian or a great Christian, it's because he's such a great God. And that's the point, is to bring him glory. The life of God, the ignorance that is in them, they just don't know because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling... They don't even know. They're past feeling. I, when I worked in the welding business as a young man, my boss was Leonard. We owned a, he owned a sign shop. He still does. And, and every now and then I'd look down and his arm would be on fire. He was in Vietnam. Uh, he, was a, he was a Green Beret in Vietnam. And he, and he was in uh, prison camps. And they burned him in his arms and different things and torturing him. And so every now and then, man, his arm would be on fire. He wouldn't even know it because he couldn't feel it. Because it had been burned and seared. He was past feeling. That's the way this world is. But I want you to know something. Christians can get in that state too. We're in the darkness so long that we get used to the darkness. We're in the corruption so long we get used to the corruption. Who being past feeling, having given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's a big word, but it basically it just means unrestrained moral sin. To work all uncleanness and greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off. This word here comes out in the English. It's even stronger in the Greek. He's Talking about a change of outward clothing here. Hey, there's some things you got to put away. There's some things you got to put off. I, I, you know, even lost people. When I talk to him from time to time, I say, "Well, will you trust the Lord?" Well, now if I if if I become a Christian, I know there's some things I got to give up. See, even in their blindness, they do understand that. And I, for years, growing up as a preacher's kid, I hated it, and I didn't want to be a preacher's kid. I, I felt like, as a lost person, you know, my corrupted mind, you could either be a Christian or you could have fun. And so I'd rather have fun. And I don't want to be a Christian and give up all that. But then, when the Lord actually opens your mind and your heart, and you get connected to the life of God, you find out this is the living, this is the, the, the great things of the Lord. So, that... Ye being, I'm sorry, verse 21. So be that ye have heard of him and having been taught by him. I, I appreciate Brother Jackson's Sunday school lesson. I appreciate our conversations where we've talked. And the things that the Lord has taught me through him. See, I'm not, if somebody gets taught today, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Because I can speak to ears and minds and you say, I don't agree. I preached on Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 one time and a lady walked down and said, I don't believe that. And I said, you don't believe 2, 8 and 9? Not the way you read it. It takes the Holy Spirit to teach us. As the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the word conversation there, in our understanding today, lifestyle. Our conduct. The old man, 
which is corrupt according to its deceitful lusts. Our lusts will deceive us and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I love that, the spirit of your mind. Where does God convince us of truth? Where does he open our illumination? In the mind. And put ye on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness. You know, I've been places where they think that a certain dress style is holiness. Or a certain way of living. And sometimes that's right. I remember one time going in the mountains, this lady... You know, in the mountains, the women don't wear makeup. They're not, they believe that you're, you're ungodly if you wear makeup. And you're ungodly if you cut your hair. And you're ungodly. And so they got them big beehives and everything. I'm sitting there talking to this lady. She says, oh, I don't sin. And then the most disgusting thing, especially for a woman, she started chewing tobacco. And I'm like, well, what's that? And she goes, well, anything that's good ain't saying, preacher. And so we get to pick and choose what's holy and what's not. And you know how we pick and choose that? Well, what I do is right. Now, my faults and failures, those are understandable. What you do is wrong, and your sin is disgusting. So we, we gauge ourselves by ourselves. We're not to gauge ourselves by ourselves. We're not to gauge ourselves by another preacher. True holiness is in the sight of God, is given through Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes us pure and clean. But the point of that holiness is that we obey the truth that our lives individually glorify God. And then when we come together collectively, this church glorifies God. My dad always put a sign on his church door in the vestibule area. I believe he got it from Pastor Gormley. And when you walked in the vestibule, the sign always said, Enter to worship. Then on the back side of the door as you're leaving the sanctuary, it says, Exit to serve. That's what the church is about. We come here to worship God in truth and in holiness, bringing glory to Him. And then when we go out, we go out to serve. Just so you know, coming to church isn't serving God. I serve the Lord the way you do. I go to church. No, this is where we come to learn and to be edified and to be equipped to go out of those doors and serve God. Lastly, if we want to bring glory to God, we must assemble in unity. We must assemble in unity. The Lord is glorified when we walk in unity. But the problem comes when people want their way. And they have no biblical reasoning for it. Remember a lady came up to me right after the movie God is Not Dead came out. And she said the big Southern Baptist church in town has played God is Not Dead in the sanctuary. And they had all these visitors and said, uh, uh, and they're going to do it again in a month. And, and said, well, can't we do something like that? And I said, well, why don't you just go watch it over there? I mean, if they're playing it. Well, now, preacher, can't, can't, can't we do something like that? Well, I'll tell you what we can do. Maybe on Saturday night or Friday night, we got a fellowship hall. Maybe we can all come together and watch God is not dead uh, in, in the fellowship hall. Or maybe you can watch it at your house. But she was persistent. 
And about the third time, she said, I just, I'm going to just, she said, you're dancing all around it. No, I wasn't dancing all around it. And I'm being a little bit more smart aleck now than I was with her. I was actually trying to give her those options. But then she's just like, well, when are we going to do it? And I said, take it up with your next pastor. And I'm not being arrogant, but when God's people assemble in God's house is the time for the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That is what Jesus has ordained. That is His commission. And I'm being... Uh, uh, you're being hard and out of date. No, I'm trying to please Him who called me to be a soldier. He told Timothy, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke with all unsuffering. And so when we come together, we come together around the Word of God. And it's not what one wants or won't. Oh, brother, it's just what you want. No, it isn't. I've got a command. And see, we come in unity around what God commanded us to do. You know, it's, it's not uniform. It's not being just uniformitarity where we all just look alike and act alike like certain legalistic religions. I'm not saying that. You know, you think of a band and you've got different instruments and they're sounding different notes, some low, some high, but yet they're doing it in unison and they're coming together to make beautiful music. Why? Because they have the same standard. They have the sheet of music. Y'all can sing without the sheet of music. So you could come together on the same standard and those that sung bass, sung bass and those that sung soprano. And you come together, you're, you're different, but you come under the same standard and here's the standard. The standard's not my opinion. It's not what pleases me. It's not what I think is best. It's what does God's Word say? And if I'm wrong, I'm always open to learn. Because <laughs> it's not about who's right, but what's right. And that's what we've lost in a lot of Christianity. Well, I prefer this and I prefer that. Well, you know... Let's let's get our preferences out of the way when we go to the restaurant. But when we come to here, it's about what God prefers. It's about what God pleases Him. I hear it all the time from preachers. I've heard it for 20 years, 20 plus years, growing up with preachers. And then they once preach the truth and they always go awry on this. Well, I'm just trying to find what the people like. I'm just trying to build a church. It's the preacher's job to build the church. No, it's not. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's a preacher's job to preach the word of God and glorify God. And if he does that, growth will come. If I worry solely about pleasing the God of heaven, the one that spoke and the world came into existence, if I worry about just pleasing and being obedient to him and bringing the people into unity, God will take care of the rest of it. Yes, he will. Here in Ephesians, look with me down here. We're in chapter 4. Look at verse 11. Why did God give a preacher anyway? Well, he's going to tell you. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastor teachers, pastor and teachers, Literally in the Greek, take the and out, the pastor teacher. Now why? For the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Now hold on. It, 
The pastor is to mature the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, he's to do it by example for the edifying of the body. That's the building up of the body. Why? Why does he preach and teach the Word of God and mature people? Till we all come into the unity of the faith. The faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we come together. We come together for unity's sake. To bring us into unity. We please God when we give Him what He asks for. It's just that simple. Well, I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to... What's He want? Now, if I'm going to glorify Him and please what does He want? What does He desire? I think you're too old-fashioned on the women's place. Well, I'm as old-fashioned as this book. Well, I think you're too old-fashioned on this. and too. Old. It ain't about a fashion. I ain't wearing overalls. It ain't about you know, a fashion. It's about obedience to God's Word and what He says. Look with me down here. In the, we're in Ephesians 4. Look at verse 29. But we've got to come into unity. And the unity around the truth. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, that convicts me. Well, is it convicting by else? I've been guilty of that and am guilty of that. Every now and then we, we, we say things we ought not say. That's why we need to be reminded. But that which is good to the use of edifying, the building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You can't love your brother or your sister in the Lord if you are doing these things. How can I have bitterness towards someone and portray the love of Christ? I can't. The world is going to know whether our Christianity is genuine by how we love each other and forgive each other. They're going to get that a lot more than our little, than our standards or, and I'm not against standards, but they don't like them or understand them anyway. But when we love and we forgive each other and we get along with, hey, look, and love, you know, it's easy to love somebody when they're, when they get along, you know. I mean, I remember as a first year pastor and I came home and said, oh, I said, we passed this and we passed this at church and the boy, the church loves me, man. And he said, oh, we'll find out. And I said, wait at home, he said, wait till y'all have a disagreement. You're going to find out who loves each other. You'll find out if they love you and, you, and, and they'll find out if you love them. See, love just sent in some mushy emotion. It's a dedication of forgiveness. And men will know that we are disciples when we have love for another and be kind one to another and tender hearted, forgiving one another. 
verse 32. Well, to forgive someone means that someone's done me wrong. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hath, it's in the present possessor. Not only has he, he is forgiven you. I can't, if I can't forgive my brother, then I can't be in unity with my brother. And if, and I've been in churches where, and, and I do not believe that's here. I do not believe that's here, but it can always happen. <laughs> and I've been in churches where it's split down the middle. They don't like each other. I was sitting with a girl one time and I was talking to this old fella and this was some years back and I was talking to this old guy who's asked me all these questions and stuff like that and having a good conversation and I went and sat down with the girl that I was with and she's like, I don't even want to see you talking to him ever again. Whoa, okay. We get in the car. Well, who was that? That's my grandpa. Well, I don't want to be in that family. You know? They can't even get along within themselves. How do we glorify the Lord? Well, we gotta teach and preach truth, and then we gotta do it. And we gotta come in unity. And we got, and that unity has to be seen. We don't have to agree on everything. But there's some things that you have to agree on. I'll let, I'll preach, I'll let him take that part, and you know that part. But there's some things to be a member here, you have to agree on. There's got to be a way you got to act. God saved me to take this dirty, unclean failure, flop, any other adjective you want to add to it, and use me to glorify Him. I don't do it like I should. But when I don't do it, it's because I'm not in obeying the truth. Because I've got past the part of knowing it. I know it. And to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. So I know the truth. My problem is obeying the truth. But thank God he gives us the grace to obey the truth. And we come together as, as individuals with individual gifts, individual purposes to bring glory to the Savior in His church. World without end. That's the purpose. That's the problem with the church world. The problem with the church world today is the purpose is to grow a church. If you make that the purpose, then what's wrong with paintball? What's wrong with bowling alleys? If it brings in people. What's wrong with not preaching? What's wrong with having any order? If that's the purpose and it accomplishes the purpose, but it's not. The purpose is to worship and glorify the God of truth in truth and obey the truth. Brother Jackson, you come.